if I compare it, I see a creative person as a very just alive being who is um, curious and interested and interesting and just excited about discovering things, while the opposite is someone who is just standing there going through his days as a robot. And so being creative for me is just being curious and learning and discovering things, no matter what, what field you're in, I think. That's Charlotte Erickson, a.k.a. The Glass Child. This week's guest on episode number 80 of the Unplugged Podcast. Hello there and welcome to another inspiring, yes, inspiring week of the Unplugged Podcast where we unplug from status quo and shift the paradigm from head to heart by co-creating a more passionate, compassionate, loving, and interconnected world. And this is the audio space where you will hear powerful conversations with the courageous truth seekers and free thinkers of today's rapidly changing world. My name is Debo Zarko, warrior of truth, status quo crusher, and passionate lover of life, here to welcome you to your almost weekly dose of authentic expression, truth, critical thought, provoking words, and open-hearted inspiration from my paradigm-busting headquarters in beautiful coastal British Columbia, Canada. And I'm recording this introduction on September 22nd, 2015, and honestly, I cannot believe how quickly this year has gone by. I don't know about you guys, but I seriously, I feel like everything is speeding up so fast. Like, uh, yeah, I am blown away. It's, it's almost the end of September. And it doesn't even feel like that long ago that we were bringing in the new year. Like, is it just me? Or does everything feel like it's speeding up to everyone else as well? And it's kind of weird, because I have deliberately created a slow paced life for myself. And I don't have all of the trappings of the city and the technology and the social um, networking distraction that most people, uh, you know, normalize in their own lives, which I can only imagine makes it feel that much faster. But there's something in the air that just feels fast. It's crazy. Um, you know, I'd be curious if you're feeling the same thing, send me an email, deb at com, and let's chat about this because it's weird. It's really weird. But anyway, um... Yeah, September 22nd already, end of September. And I have to say that uh, if you've been hearing the shows, you probably heard about the horrible drought that affected us here on the coast over the summer. And it's amazing how resilient Mother Nature is because we've had a rainy se- uh, rainy spell for the last little while and everything is just looking so beautiful and perky and green and lush again. And I can't say that the drought and the wildfires and all of the other nasty stuff that uh, happened to be right in my face this year are are gone from my memory. They never will be. But I can say that I feel a deep sense of gratitude for the real resiliency of Mother Nature and how quickly she's bounced back from the ravages of this this summer and I guess we'll see how things are playing going to play out for the rest of the uh the year apparently we're they're predicting a a milder winter again and if we don't get snow we're going to be in probably even bigger trouble next year but hey one step at a time right 
A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Lao Tzu. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, things are good here in British Columbia. So now let's talk about this week's podcast. Because this week's podcast is all about honoring the creative muse. And despite what some of you may believe of yourself, the creative muse lives within every one of us. Now the question is, do you starve her or do you feed her? Is she dormant or is she awake? Because she's your authentic life force, your voice. She's your soul. Your creative muse is you, the purest essence of you. So this week's Unplugged podcast guest, Charlotte Erickson, also known as The Glass Child, and you're going to find out all about why she calls herself that in this week's conversation. She is her muse. The lines are blurred between the personality of Charlotte and the creator of Charlotte. And that's the way it should be. And Charlotte is a passionate creator who has defied all odds to pursue her calling. And by saying yes to the voice of her heart, she's living her calling, her dream, and the greatest expression of her life force. And I discovered Charlotte's work uh, on the Taking the Leap podcast with my wonderful new friend, Sean Howard. And if you haven't checked out his podcast, I really invite you to do so. He's a masterful host and a really talented audio arranger. And I'll, I'll place a link to his website and his podcast in the show notes for, um, for this episode. And that's going to be depozarco.com backslash, backslash, I still trip over that word sometimes, depozarco.com backslash Charlotte. So Charlotte Erickson is a talented, independent musician and author from Sweden who left home at the age of 18 and moved to London to devote her life to her music and writing. And if you go to uh, her Goodreads bio, this is what she says. When I was 18, I moved out of my home in Sweden and I moved to London to create the life I wanted to live and find the person I wanted to be. After a year in solitude with my mind and my music, I packed light and spent a year homeless on the road, dedicating my life to my art and music, determined to tell the world about it. I went everywhere and nowhere, spent nights on the concrete, had beautiful conversations with strangers, and walked foreign streets every day. I learned how to build my home in my music and my art. When I sing or write, I'm not scared anymore. I just want to mean something to someone because every person I meet means the world to me. And I just wish to belong. I wish to be me and I wish to be loved just for that. I still don't know where I'm going, but I'm on my way and I'm giving my life to this journey. I want to turn my life into art, my very existence into a poem. It might not always be easy, but it will always be beautiful. Through pure grit, determination, perseverance, and a, a truckloads of passion, Charlotte has since released five critically acclaimed albums, and her single, I Will Lead You Home, reached number two on the Swedish iTunes chart. And all of the money from that single went directly to the nonprofit organization, Ung Cancer, to support young victims of the disease. And as she says, I did it to let them know that they're not alone. 
And Charlotte was also named Breakthrough Indie Artist of the Year by Lemonade Magazine. And I have to admit that I get a really special thrill to, uh, out of speaking with young people, with millennials who are defying status quo and living passionately and creatively in ways that serve their soul. And by default, the world at large, because that's the way it works. When we say yes to our calling, we serve the world. Millennials often get a bad rap for being uh, more selfish and disconnected than any other generation. And, you know, perhaps that's the case in, in many instances. Uh, uh, you know, it may be true. But if you, ha- if you look at their parental and cultural role models, is it any wonder why? I mean, we can clearly see the roots of this age-defiant disease. So it's all the more reason for me to feel so hopeful when I converse with young people who exude such wisdom and, and passion as Charlotte does. And you'll hear all about that, of course, in today's conversation. And quite personally, I'm actually really excitedly surprised at how many young people there are who are living authentically and, as a result, making the world a better place. And as a short aside, this past weekend, I just, uh, I'm going to tell you a little story about um, a little electric car show that my partner and I went to with, uh, with lots of exciting creations by Toyota, Nissan, Tesla, and a lot of others, including electric cars that were hand created by locals around here on the Sunshine Coast. And when we went to the Tesla tent, we spoke with a 21-year-old salesman who was so enthusiastic about these cars that it was impossible to not be affected by him. And at one point in the conversation, I like I was really I was feeling his enthusiasm in my body and I looked him right in the eyes and I said to him, "You really love your job, don't you?" And when I said that to him, he paused and he just lit up. And he that, that question just seemed to really spark something in him. And he replied, I do. He said, I feel like I'm making a difference because the generations before me have left us with such a big mess to clean up. And whatever I can do to be part of the solution in a way that is progressive, I'm all for it. And he put so much heart into that answer that I could actually feel like uh, I could touch his passion. And, you know, when we walked away, I actually, I felt myself welling up with tears of gratitude for someone that young who cares that much, enough to live in alignment with his heart and to change the world as a result. And that's the way it goes when we live from our hearts. And as a matter of fact, we actually got to sit in one of the Teslas and it was amazing. I mean, it's an $80,000 car, $80,000 US, which is, I don't know, maybe a hundred grand converted into Canadian because the Canadian dollar sucks, <laughs> but it was gorgeous and um, even had a seat warmer and it was a rainy day and my bum was nice and toasty. Oh, it was great. Um, there, he was talking about a $30,000 model coming out in the, in the next year, but beautiful cars and just, oh man, to unplug from fossil fuels, that is, uh, that is something that I'm really, really excited about. So to know that there are young people out there like this young man who worked for Tesla and, and like Charlotte Erickson, who is willing to, to be homeless, to fulfill her passion and her dreams. And, you know, who, despite everything, put her dreams above everything else. That to me is hope for the future. And it's not about talking about a better world. It's about creating a better world. And the only way that we can do that is by allowing our hearts to lead the way and then to let our minds implement. 
implement. Yes, our minds are the implementers, not the boss. Our minds are the implementers of our heart's desires. And that's when we shift the paradigm from head to heart and create the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. Quoting Charles Eisenstein once again, because actions always speak louder than cheap talking words. And actually, no words are actually necessary when we take action. That's my motto. So before we launch into this week's amazing conversation with Charlotte Erickson, let's ease into it with The Best Part of Me, which is a beautiful song by songwriter, author, wanderer, and dreamer, Charlotte Erickson. It was a Sunday morning, I called and said we have to talk. I felt his hands getting cold as we walked in the dark. I said I can't live this, I'm free to many
welcome Charlotte to to this show. Uh, I am so excited. I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again because now listeners get to hear it. But I'm really excited to have you on the show. You've done so much in uh, you know in a short period of your life, and you're one of these people who really exemplifies going for it. And you know you did what most people will never do in their lifetime. You left home. You left security to pursue your dream. And you know, there's a lot of people who speak about the one day that they will do what they're called to do when the kids are grown up, when they have more money, when they have more time, when they have more education or wisdom, you know, you know, all the excuses that people use to prevent them from following their dreams. And what I find is that these excuses are usually based in scarcity. You know, when is always an elusive dream that's blocked by fear, but you fearlessly pursued your dreams and you defied all the odds and you're really making it now. So I'm curious if we could just start off things like kick things off by exploring the dream that fueled this passion, this unstoppable passion to just really go for it. So what was the dream that was so powerful that you left uh, a safe life to pursue it against all the odds. And I'm also curious about how it's played out in your life and what this journey has been like for you. Yeah. Um, wow. That's such a huge, huge question. <laughs> I always start that way and then we chunk down. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Let's just dive in. So um, what fueled that? Uh, well, I guess for me, um, so for, for those who don't really know what I'm doing, I, I am uh, a musician, a songwriter and, and an author. And uh, when I was uh, quite young, I, I just turned 18. I moved to London from Sweden, where I'm born, um, to, to just kind of jump in and, and just dedicate everything I have to this dream of mine. And um, I think f for, for me, um, the reason to why I could do that and to why until this day I am just dedicating everything I have to to still going for it is that um, I think when you find something that you just love so much and that you just believe in so hard, it doesn't matter if it's about uh, a business idea or this music like I did or um, just studying or whatever you find that just makes you feel like you forget time and this is what you're supposed to be doing like everything just feels like it falls into place when you find that thing um you just need to be brave enough to just go for it because it, otherwise everything else would just feel wrong in your life and that's I, I have had my moments of um being tired and just being worn out and doubting myself and for for weeks or months deciding to know I'm going to do something different. But every time I do that, things just feels wrong and it doesn't flow. And I don't feel well, I don't sleep well, I don't think well. And But straight when I go back to my my kind of path, if you, if you want to say so, um, everything just flows lighter. And so what I'm trying to say is that what m m enabled me to just go for it in that way was that I found something that I believed in so hard. And still until this day, um, I believe that this is what I'm supposed to do. So even though uh, it is hard and I've spent my, you know, I put my hours in and I spent a few years um, not being able to pay my rent. So I just lived um, on my friend's couches and um, I never, I never, um, it, it, it's a lot of worrying, you know, when you start kind of chasing your dream. But what I'm trying to say is that if you believe in it so hard, you just need to keep going for it. Um, because 
you know, it's that's what life is about, right? Just throw yourself into it. I totally agree with that. And but the thing is, you know, we live in this culture where we're so oppressed, like our soul's calling is so oppressed and we're conditioned to take the safe way. So get a job, get an education, you know, get married, blah, 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 all that stuff. And so many people never really understand that underlying unease that never leaves their body. Um, and, and I think this is really kind of, this is a really important conversation to have. You were, you were talking about how you didn't sleep well, how you didn't feel well when you weren't honoring your calling. And I think that that's something that a lot of people um, experience as well. But in, what do they do instead? You know, they'll, they pop a few antidepressants and they suppress that dream and suppress it and suppress it and suppress it to the point where they're sick, you know, or worse. And I feel like it's really important to understand that when we have connected with our calling, it really, it's, it's like we've connected to our soul. I call it our heart, you know, the heart, you know, when we connect to our heart, our calling, our soul. I mean, there's so many different, so much different language for it, whatever you want to call it, whatever works. It, we feel it in our bodies. Like right now, even talking to you, I'm feeling this passion in my body because I'm connecting with somebody who is like-minded. I, like you, are very like-minded in my world because I feel the same way. When I don't honor my calling, it plays out in my body. And I can't not, I can't not honor that. If I ignore it, then I get sick as well. So I'm curious about, uh, you know, along your journey, you said that you've slept on couches and, uh, you know, I've heard you in other interviews, you've slept in uh, airports and you've done a lot of traveling and nothing stopped you. And so I'm curious to know what you feel is the most important thing that you've learned about yourself to this point in your life. Mm, yeah. Um, I think that what, what always keeps me going, because I think no matter what you're doing, who, no matter who you are, like the most successful person in this world will have moments of doubt when he or she just wants to quit and move back home to, to your safe kind of harbor and just be comfortable for the rest of your life. I think everyone will have those mm -hmm. moments. But I think what's important to remember and what I constantly um, have to remind myself of is that you have not failed as long as you are still going. And so for me, when those moments when I, when I have felt, like you said, there were um, times when, as a musician, obviously it's so hard to be able to earn a living and just get your name out there. And so the the faces where I, um, like you said, were just trying to get by. I was um, sleeping at my friends in airports and wherever I could. And I played to be able to uh, afford some food every day. And obviously there are nights when I just wanted to quit and move home and get a, you know, a, a normal job and just be comfortable for the rest of my life. But those moments, there was still this kind of, voice in my head that kept telling me like just keep pushing one more day one more day tomorrow things might change and I knew that as long as I kept doing that as long as I kept doing it one more day one more day I had not failed yet and you know all these if you read books or philosophies or whatever 
they all say the same thing that that the biggest um, reason to why people fail is that they quit right before the the goal. And so um, what's important to remember is that just keep doing it. Like there, if if you if you are persistent and keep doing something for long enough time you will have success in some kind of way um so yeah i think that's what i'm still trying to to live after <laughs> in a way well it sounds like you're already doing that like you said you're you're a musician and you have a beautiful voice by the way and thank you you have well thank you for sharing it and i'm really grateful <laughs> to be able to do that now as well you know with with so many people out there who are sharing your message it means your voice gets out there in a bigger way so so thank you for being willing to share it and for sticking with it and you're an author i mean uh, you're you're doing it all you're doing it all you're really following the creative urge in your heart and this is something I feel is so powerful and it kind of is is leading me into um, a question that I have about creativity because I feel like you know we live in a world where there's so many people who say I'm not creative I'm not creative and I feel again like this is an excuse that's rooted in scarcity because of the culture that we live in we're taught to believe that we're something that we're not and we're, we're, we all believe, many of us believe that we're not creative. I disagree with that. I mean, really, when you think about it, we are actually creation itself. If you think about a sperm and an egg coming together to create, you know, Charlotte Erickson mm -hmm. or Dabo Zarco, that's a pretty profound creative act. So to say that we're not creative is really a disservice to, to you know, our, our spirits, our souls, our hearts. It's a real disservice. So... I, I'm, I would like to really explore what you have to say to people who believe that they're not creative. I'm curious to know about um, what Charlotte Erickson has to say about this, because this is something I'm really passionate about as well. Yeah, creativity is such an interesting subject. I've been reading a lot about just the, the act of being creative. Um, I think, obviously, there's no right or wrong in this. It's just my own thoughts. But I think um, being creative for me means just a simple act of thinking um, because I think a lot of people associate being creative with something like um, art in the sense of writing music or drawing or photography or dancing and sure obviously these things are creative acts but being creative if I am cooking I'm not a good cook, but if I do that and I, I'm thinking and I'm trying to create something, that is creativity. If I, I just moved into a new flat and I, I stood there in my room for a long time, just not doing anything, just thinking about where can I place my bed, you know, <laughs> that is a creative act. And so I think it's the same if you are um, coming up with a business idea, that is the most creative act you can ever do a marketing plan is a creative act uh, product development all these things that that's creative acts so for me creativity is just thinking about how to um take action in in some kind of way and that doesn't have to be art it can be um sports or workouts or business or cooking anything and i think the the opposite to being creative is uh 
plain, very static sense of um, non-emotional being. Mm. That's how I see it, at least. It's If I compare it, I see a creative person as a very just alive being who is um, curious and interested and interesting and just excited about discovering things while the opposite is someone who is just standing there going through his days as a robot and so being creative for me is just being curious and learning and discovering things no matter what what field you're in I think that is a wonderful answer I love that because you're right the creativity I mean we can't not be creative every choice Mm. is even a creative act and I can hear um I can hear how uh, connected you are to your creativity. So this, uh, you know what? I'm going to throw out a word to you and just see where this goes. Passion. Passion. Yeah. um, Well, you know, passion, there are some words that are so loaded. I think like, I think I could write a whole book about just the word passion because there are so many ways to go from there. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. Just whatever <laughs> comes first, whatever comes, whatever is downloaded into your creative mind. Let's just go there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, the first thing I thought about when you said passion is um, when you're doing something, no matter what you, and I'm still trying to practice this every day. Um, when you're going through your day and you have a task, in front of you, even if that is um, writing a, an email to someone, or for me, uh, mixing a, a song or recording something, or um, just having a meeting with a friend or a business person. Um, there's a difference. You can go to that meeting, let's say, and just get through. You can say what's necessary to say, and you can take in what the other person says, and um, you can write it down and you can go home and go to sleep but for me when you add something extra to that when you add um when you can sit there and look this person in the eyes and somewhere inside you kind of feel like this is just a person getting through his or her life and even if it's an important business meeting let's say um there's if you just try to meet that person with some kind of compassion and love that is passion if I'm writing an email a very static email with just facts maybe to my mm, band about let's meet tomorrow at 6am let's say um, I can do that and just get it done or I can actually do it with some kind of love towards these people that I'm writing to and that's passion if you take it a a grander um, scale if I am my my sole purpose is to write music. I can write my songs with the purpose of just getting this song done so that I can um, record it and get it out to the people. Or I can do it with some kind of just self-fulfillment. When I write my song in my room with the door closed, I can still take the time to sit back and say, hey, I'm doing what I love. And this is amazing. I can just create something out of nothingness. And I shouldn't take that for granted. I think passion for me is when you take a step back and just enjoy doing what you're doing right now and just add some kind of extra 
gratitude to it, I think. Mm, that is really powerful. It, it's, I mean, I can hear the passion in your voice even when you talk about passion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing because for me, passion is life force. I mean, no passion, no life force. Then you become one of those robots that you're talking about, one of those lifeless robots. And we see a lot of that playing out in today's world. And, you know, I, that's, you know, one of the missions, one of the many missions of, of this podcast is to spark the passion that's in, that lives in everybody's heart. And, you know, it just seems like it's so natural to you. And I get it because, like I said, that's my life as well. Now, I take more of an activist approach to my work. But when I think about it, activism and creativity and passion all are all intertwined because it's all really acting from the authentic self. So when we act from the authentic self, we naturally not only change um our own lives, our own world, but we change the world because we impact others with our creative expression. And that's what you're doing with your work. So I'm not really sure where I'm going with this because it's a download that's just coming in, but I'd like to explore this conversation more. That's, that's the way I roll here <laughs> about, yeah, yeah. Uh, about not just the dream, but the passion that comes with the dream to make it um, manifest and how nothing else matters when that fire in your heart is burning because because we've said yes to the calling. So, um, you know, like in your case, nothing else matters. You, even though there were days where you felt like you just didn't want to do it anymore, the fire was burning and it, you couldn't not do it. So, and it didn't matter like if, if you had no money or friends or you had to sleep on couches or in airports, you know, what others may perceive as self-sacrifice isn't really. It's actually a gateway into a more enlightened understanding of who we authentically are. So, yeah, can I hand the reins over to you now and we can just carry on this conversation and let it flow? <laughs> yeah, of course. First, I would like to say that um, nothing comes naturally. I think that it's it's such an easy excuse to kind of say, yeah, but that comes naturally for you. And I do that too when I meet someone who is maybe um, just a, a really good musician or just really positive or everything is just going right and I go home and I feel really bitter about myself and I say yeah but it comes just naturally for her and mm. I think that nothing comes naturally like I fall into negative thinking too and I have my moments of just being really angry at the world and angry at myself because it feels like everything just is working against me but I think it's all about learning how to switch your mind so um I'm reading a lot of about um, psychology and mental training and just how to learn to train your mind to think so that it works for you. And when it's it's the same like when um, those years when it was really hard for me and I could have seen that as um, why is nothing working for me? And I saw my friends they everything went. So so well for them and they was picked up by labels and they were touring the world and everything was so great and there I was sleeping at airports and no one cared it felt like um and I could have seen that as oh the world is really working against me and this is obviously not gonna work I should just go home and get a job but I learned to switch it around to motivation and say to myself I'm going to prove them that I can do this and I'm gonna do this by myself and I'm gonna be stronger anyone else and I think that is the important thing it's not important to naturally have a talent for something it's important to learn to work with what you have and it's the same today when in the music industry naturally and in the entertainment industry maybe in 
every kind of industry, there will be people who tell you that you're not good enough, that you can never do this, you're not talented enough, you don't look good enough, all these things. And there will be rejections, people who just don't want to work with you or whatever it might be. And you can go to a place where you take all these rejections and you just feel like, wow, I am worthless and I should just not do this. Or you can learn to when someone gives you a bad review or someone says something ugly about what you're doing or just doesn't, they don't just don't believe in you. You can learn to switch it around and say, okay, then watch me because mm. I'm going to do this and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to, I'm going to practice and I'm going to work and I'm, I'm just going to do it. And I think it's so important to learn to just see all the negative things as motivation. Um, and it's not it's not easy, but it's definitely something everyone can learn. Um, yeah, I think that's that's one of the most important skills you can learn, I think. Mm, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the biggest blocks for most people uh, for following their calling is the fear that comes with the judgment or fear of failure. I mean, the fear, basically. And I remember hearing you say in a podcast that most of what you've learned has come through struggle. And, um, you know, when you said that is like, oh, can I ever relate to that? <laughs> Some of the greatest lessons in my own life uh, have been you know, kind of painful and ugly. And they've led me to where I am today, though. And if I had not stepped into them and faced them and, you know, and just really walked right into them, I wouldn't be who I am and where I am today. And I wouldn't also be on the evolutionary ongoing journey of, you know, this self-discovery and self-reclamation that keeps coming with it. So as a result of embracing the struggle and, you know, not necessarily, you know, we, there's that, there's a term, be fearless, be fearless. And it's not about, when we say be fearless, it means that there's, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's no fear. It means that we're not letting the fear take us out really. Cause I get it, you know, I'm fearful and I don't like the, the judgment and I don't like, um, there's days when I feel really down as well. But what's more important is the passion that remains always in my heart, that fire that's always burning. And so um, I'm curious to know what you have to say about embracing the struggle, embracing the journey, and not letting fear win, because you were talking about reading these psychological books. And, you know, when we face our fears and know that there's gold on the other side, really, to be, you know, we can find that as long as our reptilian brains <laughs> don't get in the way. You know, I, I'm curious to know what you have to say about about all of this because this is exactly what you did yeah i i believe in that with all my heart that um when you when you think about i mean i'm i'm quite young so i can't really speak about my own life in that way but when you look back um from i don't know years or months or weeks even um what you remember is usually the hard things it's usually those moments when things didn't work out or when you were forced um into a corner and you had to find your way out or when things didn't go the way that you had planned so you needed to quickly find a different way and when you are in these moments you might feel like oh, oh why is nothing working and this was not the way i planned it and this is not the ultimate or the best way but when you look back it's always connected and you can see how oh it was totally meant to happen that way because mm. look that led me there and that led me there and you can kind of connect the dots and you see you see the storyline 
And if you take one of those away, if if everything just would have happened exactly as you had planned it, you know, that's that's a kind of plain existence. And what I feel is that obviously I am I'm seeking to be happy and everyone wants to be happy. And that's the goal of life to just feel content and satisfied and happy. But when you look back, I rarely remember the the easy moments. You know, it's it's in that case it's these huge moments of euphoria and just extremely explosions of happiness. Those moments are beautiful, but most of happiness is just kind of a plain um kind of day of no worries. It's usually not happiness, it's just no worries. And those moments, they don't really teach you anything, do they? It's just like a nice way to get by. But what you learn from is the struggles and the hard the hard times. So I'm not saying go and seek the, the worry and go <laughs> seek the, the troubles. But what I'm saying is when you do, do meet those, those hard days or hard moments, um, kind of be curious instead. You know, be curious about, oh, what can I learn now? And where will this lead me? Because I have no idea where to go from here. But... I will figure it out and it will take me somewhere new. And so, again, it's it's something that I have to remind myself of all the time because when when I come into dark phases, the most natural thing for me is to just sit down and like, oh my God, I just want to give up. Why is this happening? But then you need to kind of, you know, take a step back and take yourself out of your own head and say, hey, look, this is kind of exciting. I have no idea what's going to happen. Let's see. Um, that's that's how I would like to live at least, but it's easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could totally relate to that. But again, you know, I just I keep going back to this because I, I I understand that really what you've done and you've mentioned you're you're young and I think that's even more beautiful is that you're so young and you have such profound wisdom and that you're you're living a life that many of us don't really even start to explore until we're, we're middle aged. So. I'm giving you kudos here. <laughs> this is really awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the fact that you see struggle for the opportunity that it brings at such a young age is so powerful. And that's why I believe that, you know, that's the, you're destined to be a, a, a massive success because you're really living life. You're not... You're not putting it on hold by taking the easy way out. And I remember hearing you in another interview that I listened to that uh, you said that you never had a plan B. And when I heard mm. that, I thought, wow, that is, that's incredible. I've, I've actually never heard anybody say that because without a plan B, there's no other option except to make plan A work, which means perseverance, dedication, courage, faith, and a strong belief in yourself and because there's no way out. So um, what has this been like for you in a world that tends to hack away at life, take the easy way out and conform to cultural norms? Because in my world, you're a true status quo crusher. Um, I think for me, it was always natural because um, when I discovered music and I kind of found what made me feel um, at home, I guess, in myself. Um, I just knew that that's that's what I'm, that's how I want to spend my life. And so, the the thought of 
giving it up and going home and just taking a day job to simply get by. Um, that was just never an alternative for me. And I also believe that no matter what I am doing as an as a individual person, um, if I have a plan B in mind, if I would have moved to London when I was 18, knowing that, well, if it doesn't work out, I can just move home. Um, I would have done that because when you come, when I came to that year when I couldn't pay my rent anymore and I didn't have anywhere to live, no one cared about my music, I lived out of a suitcase and I was tired and worn out and alone. And if I would have thought, well, I can just move home and I have a plan B there, um, I would have done it, you know, and I would have given it up and I would have been there now with probably not a lot of fulfillment. But because I went out knowing that this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to make it work because I don't have any other option. There's nothing else that I am meant to be doing um, that made me push through. And I believe that if you if you decide that it's it's I can't remember who said it, but there is this quote that says result and you are free. And I think that there's so much into that when you decide to that this is what I'm going to do no matter what. You make a decision and you stick to it and you write it down and you decide that I'm going to make it work. Then you will find a way to make it work because that's the human condition. Um, it might not be, you know, the simple way or the way that you think that it will happen, but you will find a way to make it work. Um, so, yeah, I totally believe that if you really want something, don't have a plan B because if you have a plan B, you will not fight as hard as you can and you can fight so much harder than you think you can you're very open and and you know you're very honest about your own internal struggles and uh and the resistance that sometimes comes up using Stephen Pressfield's terminology but I'm curious you know like a lot of people will you know they'll think that they've found their purpose and they push through and push through and push through and then they eventually burn out. And so I'm curious to know uh, how you differentiate the difference, well, differentiate resistance and burnout. Because I think that this is something that so many people can't seem to figure out. And in my own life, it's taken me years to determine what is the difference between um, resistance and burnout. And in my own life, what I've discovered is that when I start feeling resentment towards something that I'm doing, then I need to back off and I need to adjust and course correct. But when I'm just distracting myself with excuses, then I'm just resisting. So I'm curious to know how you differentiate these two so that it, you stay on track with your, with your work. Yeah, this is such a, an important subject and so hard to talk about because I think I kind of have an answer, but I i don't think I can formulate it just yet. But what I'm thinking is, um, I totally know, know what you mean with, with burning out. And um, I, I think I've, I've been there too. I there, In the beginning, when I was younger, and um, I was just, I, I was working in the sense of, I closed the door and I just did what had to be done every day and then I tried to go to sleep and that is work for me but I think again if I would have in some way been a maybe a bit more mature and been able to involve passion into that work I would not have burned out because then it wouldn't have felt like work 
um, even if I would have done the same things. Um, so I think what I'm, um, the way I see it now is that following your dream doesn't have to be working in the sense of hardcore work at the office, you know, 12 hours every day. Um, following your call is more an internal thing um, mm. because I'm not I'm not writing music every day from 6 a.m. to midnight that even even though that is what I am uh, maybe supposed to be doing as a songwriter but what I am doing is uh, there are days when I wake up and I just don't feel like I don't feel like I want to write a song I don't feel like going to the studio and mixing I don't feel like um, booking more shows or doing my marketing or being online and those days I have learned to close the computer and grab a book and go and sit in a park for five hours and just read and in the beginning a few years ago um, I would have felt like I'm just wasting my time. What am I doing here? This won't get me anywhere. There are other people working harder than me right now. But I've learned that those five hours will feed me so much energy, inspiration, new words, new worlds from the books or the views or just hearing new sounds. So when I get back at night, if I can get one hour of songwriting in instead of 12, I will be so much more productive. Um, so what I'm saying is I think it's really important to learn um, time management is such an ugly word. It just feels like you're hacking your life. But I think it's important to learn how to spend your energy in the most um, clever way so that you can get the most out of your own energy and your own creativity and just your own personality, I guess. You've said so many things that have brought up um, some really powerful points. And I think the, the, the essence of what you're saying is that um, it's a, I wrote a blog post called How Being Fuels Are Doing. And that's something that I really believe is very powerful too. Um, my career path for many, many years, um, you know, until I switched courses was as a graphic designer. And there were many times when I would just look at the computer screen, this blank computer screen going, oh my God, I've got to come up with something right now. And I would sit there and sit there and I would try and put something together and it was always crap. But when I went out for a walk with the dogs or if I did like you, if I just went read like and went and read a book or just got away from it, when I just extracted myself from that, oh my God, I feel like I need to create mental prison that you know my mind was creating, all of a sudden, the inspiration would start flowing. And so this is something that I'm really, really uh, very passionate about is how we need to be more. We're human beings, but we've bought into this belief that we're human doings all the time. And if we're not doing, then we're not being productive. But there's so much productivity that comes from being, like you said, you know, you, you think you... You might be writing for 12 hours, but what you put out isn't as good as what you're putting out with that one hour after you've given yourself the inspired time to actually come back to your, your true self. So mm -hmm. I'm curious about, you know, we, let's, let's go into this a little bit deeper, the, the importance of self-discipline and how for many people, uh, the, that nagging, chattery mind, <laughs> the, the intellect is always 
while it's always nagging at us and distracting us from really doing the work that we need to do, which sometimes means just allowing ourselves to be. So the self-discipline, you said, you know, you mentioned that it's internal and I, I get that. It really is internal. And again, using the language that I use is that it comes from the heart and it's not, it doesn't live in the head. It comes from the heart. And I'm curious to know what sort of other habits or practices you employ to really stay plugged into your work so that, and your creativity so that you're really as efficient and effective as you possibly can be. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess I have quite a lot of small habits that I'm doing. Like, um, I'm a runner, so I'm running, um, quite a lot disciplined, um, almost every day. And that's just something, uh, I've been doing my whole life because if I take two hours off from the world with just the music in my ears and my breath and just the next step, that's kind of like a meditation for me. So I guess that cleans my head in a way. And I, I also think that running has become so important for me lately because it's the only thing I'm doing where I'm not trying to achieve anything in the sense of I don't want to be a professional runner. I don't really do races. I'm not chasing achievements in that way. And I think it's really important to have something like that in your life that you're doing just for the sake of doing it. Um, so that's an important thing in my life. Uh, I'm also uh, meditating, um, quite disciplined every morning. And I have, uh, um, I'm always reading and learning about, um, I'm not religious, but I'm, I think it's really interesting Thing to just read about different spiritual teachings and philosophy and um yeah just kind of learn about other people's thoughts because even though I, I'm not, I might not agree with everything I can always find something to kind of turn it into my own little reality that I can make use of um so yeah these habits are something that always keeps me calm and my head in place um but i i also think that there are it's important kind of learn to see the seasons of um not just the year but um there are there are moments when you need to just close the door and get to work and just do what needs to be done i think mm -hmm. and then there are there are seasons where um it's more important to maybe go out and live your life um, especially as, as an artist, as a songwriter, I know that there are some some weeks or months even where I just have nothing more to say and I feel like oh, I can't write, I will never be able to write another song and I don't feel like standing on that stage tonight again. And I think that those moments... <laughs> I think we all go through that. <laughs> definitely. And even as, as a writer or as a, I don't know, photographer or whatever, you will come to these phases where you just don't feel like you have anything left to say. And there are some people who, who tell you then, well, sit down and get to work and do it anyway. And you should write every single day, you know, all these things. I don't really believe in that. I believe that writer's block, sure, if you are you know under deadline then you need to learn to de deliver but um if you don't have anything to say for me then I decide to I'm gonna go out and live my life for a while until I get something to say because then your work will get better too um again there are moments when you need to just get to work and get it done but in the larger 
scheme of things, I think it's important to kind of learn to just listen to your own um, rhythm. You know, some some days you wake up and you're creative and you're inspired, and then you everything flows. Other days you don't feel like you have anything to say, and then you need to make a decision: Can I push through? Can I sit down and actually create something anyway? And if you do that, you're gonna feel so fulfilled afterwards. But there are some days when you need to also say to yourself, you know what? Today I'm gonna go and just have a coffee and sit and stare at the window for three hours, and that can be just as important sometimes. Um, I'm not sure I wanted to get with that, but <laughs> I hope there was some something in it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And it, I, re- I remember, again, in another interview that I heard, you, you mentioned something about how creativity really emerges from our experiences. And, you know, we're, we're not always, we don't experience life when we're trying to force ourselves to work when there's inner resistance. We're experiencing life when we're allowing ourselves to sit in a coffee shop for three hours and just stare out the window you know, that's when we can, when the brain that, when that, that nasty old reptilian brain starts to really kind of wind down and allow the inspiration to start flowing. And I feel like the more experiential our life is, whatever that may be, whether it's reading a book in a park, sitting in a coffee shop, going for a hike, going for a run, whatever the case may be, the more, more open we are to absorbing the wisdom and the inspiration that comes from these experiences, because our hearts and minds are more open. And it sounds like you have ensured that your life is very experiential. And I'm, I'm suspecting that there's going to be a lot more that, uh, that comes out of this for you. So again, I'm not really sure where I'm going with this, but let's talk about, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about how, okay, let's talk about how creativity emerges from an experiential life. Let's go a little deeper into this, this conversation. Yeah, the the first thing that comes to mind when when you said all those things was that um, I did this experiment just for myself uh, a while ago where I kind of felt like I was in a bit of a rut just doing the same routines every single day. I woke up and I had my coffee and I did what I was supposed to do and then I went to bed. And I think, um, like I said before, it's important to have these phases where you just get to work and do what needs to be done. But um, I wanted to just pull myself out of that so I did this challenge that I was gonna try one new thing um every day for one week that's seven new things that I the you know that I'd never done before so I tried stuff like uh climbing and jiu-jitsu and you know different things then uh, I went to this um drawing course and I'm a horrible like I can't even draw sound like it was horrible <laughs> but it was so much fun and the the important thing is that you're not trying to achieve anything I, like I I don't want to become a professional you know climber or whatever but I went there and I'm kind of an introvert I I feel at best when I just can stay by myself and do what I do best which is just write music but I also know that every time I push myself to to connect with people or do something that I'm not very comfortable doing, I always come home with the most amazing new, I don't know, worldview, you know, because you expand your identity and you expand your universe by just throwing yourself into some other kind of world. Like 
I live in my world of music, but if I throw myself into the world of, I don't know, tennis, that's going to be a whole new universe to discover for me. And those people, they live a completely different life with um, other thoughts in their heads and other priorities. And so if I can throw myself into that head just for one day, for one night, um, that's going to give me so much. And so I did that experiment for seven days and I learned so much. It was crazy. I, I didn't... Um, now I'm not doing anything of those new skills that I did, but <laughs> I had so much fun. And th there were there were some things that I tried that I was like, oh my god, I never want to do this again. But <laughs> still, I learned something, and most of all, I met new people that I kind of tried to um, be very open to. And I didn't, you know, I didn't go there with a the mindset of I am a musician and I'm out of place. I went there and I just really tried to understand what they were seeing in this. And um, what I'm trying to say, I think, is that um, when it comes to living an experimental life and creativity, it's so important to not get stuck in your own routines and your own habits and your own head. And it's so important to sometimes just take a step back and ask yourself, why am I doing it this in this way? And what if I do this in a completely different way? It, it can be small things like in the morning when you wake up and I assume that people have the same routines because I do. I wake up and I have my coffee and I sit down and I write for a few hours what if I didn't do that tomorrow? What if I woke up and I said, you know what, I'm going to go and knock on my neighbor's door today because I've never done that before. And I'm going to ask if he or she wants to have a coffee with me. Imagine how much you would experiment or like experience that day that you could, I don't know, I think that your whole life would kind of get turned around from such a small change. And it could be, you know, small things like, I'm going to eat something different. I'm going to take a different way to work or I'm not going to take the bus. I'm going to go on inlines or, you know, just something small. And I think these things might seem ridiculous. Like, no, my, my time management is going to be so much more effective if I do it in the same way. But I don't know. I think it's something about just um, expanding your life a bit and that's going to make you work better no matter what you're working on. Oh, yeah, that definitely feeds creative expression. So it's it sounds to me like there is no such thing as a typical day in your life. I'm trying not to have it at least. <laughs> that's that's so that's so profound because so many people seek repetition and that really mm -hmm. leads to a really dull, boring, robotic kind of life. So, uh, well, I'm kind of curious, like if you were to answer the question about what a typical day looks like what would you say what would your answer be um well i i would first say that it completely depends on uh what kind of phase i'm in with the project i'm working on so um that i am last year i was um recording and releasing a new album so then first i spent six months um writing and recording and mixing it and that's one phase. And then after that, I went into the marketing, which was three months. And then it's the release. And then it's just making sure that the world is hearing it and that the fans are happy and engaging them. After that, I went into a few months of writing a new book. And so obviously then my days are completely different. And then I'm focusing on the writing and then it's the marketing again, then it's the publishing. And then after every project, I always go through a phase of just being a bit lost and not 
really knowing what to do next. And then I, again, take the time to just kind of live my life and, and meet people and connect with people and travel and just stare at the window and do stuff like that. So um, a typical day depends completely on uh, where I am in my seasons. But uh, right now, for example, um, I just started to work on um, my new future album. So this morning, I woke up and I wrote, um, worked on some some songs, and then I went to a meeting with a producer and talked about some plans. Then I went to see a friend and had a coffee, and then I came home and then I wrote for a few hours. And um, yeah, there, there's really no real typical day, but, but um, I think also, like I said before, I, if I stick to my small habits, like if I meditate every morning, if I run every afternoon or evening, um, and if I do my small little routines of writing every day, then the rest just kind of falls into place, I think. And so I think it's more important to have these small, tiny routines than, you know, having a, I don't know, 16 hours schedule every day. Oh, that's so powerful. Again, you know, what you're saying is that uh, essentially when you have a personal practice that feeds your soul, the rest of the day just kind of falls into place the way it's supposed to. And I, I really, you know, that your answer is so profound because essentially what you're saying is that you're, you're balancing your life with, as I said, you said before, being and doing. So spending time with a friend, doing some writing, um, and you're not, you know, you don't have your head down doing one repetitive task for hours and hours on end. And I feel like that's something that uh, is, is so important for us as human beings to embrace as well is the flow that comes with life and just really going to, to, to use that cliche phrase, going with the flow, because we'd never know like from, from hour to hour, moment to moment, what, you know, what's going to feel right and to go with what feels right. So if it feels right to, to be writing, like I know for myself, um, my best creative time is late afternoon and into the evening. So I do all of my non-negotiable personal practices in the morning. I do my meditation. I do my workout. Uh, you know, I walk the dogs and any other chores because I know that that's going to be the time where I recharge. And then when I sit down and actually do the work, I'm actually in the flow that works for me. So I, I think that it's, it's what you said is so important for people to understand that they don't have to force themselves into a box really to to produce if we go with the flow we're actually far more productive really yeah definitely and i also think that if you let yourself go with the flow in that way like you explained then you're gonna feel so much more alive and when you mm -hmm. feel alive you're gonna do everything you do with so much more just passion again you know instead of just forcing yourself to do the same tasks every day as a robot again if you let yourself do what you think you are meant to be doing this second, then everything is going to just feel so much easier. Like life doesn't have to be hard and following your dream and fighting for your dream doesn't have to be a struggle. Like sometimes it, ha it has to be because that's how you learn again. But, you know, it doesn't have to be that resistance if you just let yourself do what feels right right now. Mm -hmm, exactly. Now, I want to, um, I feel like I, I've already mentioned this, I feel like you and I are kindred spirits in so many ways in how 
both of us have taken on so many roles that come from doing it all. So you've mentioned that you're self-published and you've got your own record label. And there's something very empowering about doing it all yourself and learning how to be self-sufficient without the rejection and the judgment that comes from the, you know, the status quo worlds of publishing and music. So I know all about the work that goes into this podcast, for instance, you know, reaching out to interviewees, scheduling the actual conversations, writing intros and outros, editing, uploading, etc. And the same with the, the design work that I've done, my writing, the the blog post. And there's so much work that goes into it all. And I couldn't imagine handing the reins over to somebody else. And it's not because I'm a control freak, but because my vision is so expansive that I'm not willing to allow it to be compromised. And, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't reach out to web programmers, transcribers, and editors when I, when I need them. Um, but the bulk of the work I do myself. So I know that many people give up before they, they even begin. We've already talked about that, how, you know, you think that, oh, I can't do this one more day and we're, we're almost right there um, because they feel overwhelmed by all of the work that's involved to, to honor their purpose, their calling. But when passion and drive and courage and desire uh, are the, you know, are the strongest feelings that happen in the body, then everything is really figure outable. And that's to quote Marie Forleo. I don't know if you know her work, but yeah, of course. she says everything is, yeah, everything is figure outable. And I love that. It's true. And as long as we take the next smallest step towards our vision, it's not so overwhelming. It may be a slower process without a, all of the external help, but it's so doable and it's very empowering to see how everything works from the inside. So doing it all ourselves. So I'm curious, I know that you've done you've done all of this yourself. Like I said, you've self-published and you have your own record record label. And I'm curious to know your thoughts on, on this, you know, empowering yourself to be so self-sufficient and do it yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I definitely think that you need to be of a certain kind of person to handle everything yourself. You need to, first of all, like, like you explained, you need to really believe in your vision and you really need to really, um, yeah, just really believe in what you're doing because if you don't really know what you're trying to create or if you, you're not really sure about um, what you're actually want, trying to say to people, um, it's going to be hard to do everything yourself because things will be kind of half-hearted, I think. And then there are so many good options. You know, being independent, an independent artist or um, a self-published author or just doing stuff yourself doesn't have to mean that you do everything yourself. It just means that you decide who will handle things for you. Like for me, for example, as, as an artist, uh, being an independent artist doesn't have to mean that I do everything myself. It just means that I don't have a record label telling me uh, who to do what. Mm. I go directly to my producer. I go directly to um, if I want a PR company, or if I want a booking agent. I don't have a record label who handles um, that decision for me. And it's the same with being an author. Um, if you have a bigger uh, publishing house behind you, they will give an editor and they will give you a PR person and these things. But if you are by yourself, you can still go and get a PR person and an editor. So um, I think it's important to remember that you don't have to do everything yourself. Um, but yeah, I think um, I, I am, up until now, I am doing exactly everything myself. and. Um, Mostly it's because I truly love the challenge. I, I love the challenge of 
having this small idea of like when I published my first book I had this tiny tiny idea of oh, maybe I could create something like a story about what I've done in my my journey so far and I wonder how that would happen and so I was just so excited about the thought of it so I threw myself into the world of publishing and I learned about book marketing and I did a, an internship I got no pay but I had an, um, a publishing company in London just to learn about everything because I had no idea how to create a book or market it or anything but it was just so exciting and I read everything I could find about it um, and sure I could have tried to find an agent and then a publishing house or whatever and that would have been a process and a long process uh, but instead I was just so excited to learn about all these aspects of creating a book and bringing it to market so I just wanted to do it myself um, and that's just the kind of person I am I think and it's the same with the music that I could uh, write some songs and then try to um, find a manager who understood me and then try to find a record label who handled everything for me but I am the kind of person who just I am excited about everything and seeing how it comes to life from having a small idea about a song to recording it, producing it, um, coming up with a concept for the album and building my fan base and giving them content every single day and social media. Like I just love all these things. So, so um, for me, it's not a hard choice because in the end, it's just about how do you want to spend your days? And if I do everything myself I know that my days will be exciting and I get to do things that I love so for me it's just a kind of a simple choice yeah I can hear the passion in your voice again there's that word again <laughs> I think you really <laughs> you exemplify that word and you know there's a Gandhi uh-huh. there's a great Gandhi quote and I can't remember exactly how it goes but it's something like live like you'll die tomorrow and learn like you'll live forever and I love that one because I I I, I could, like I said I feel your passion and I, I feel the same way I I'm so hungry to learn new things and you know it's 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 really exciting to to not only to be empowered about learning things from the inside but also to have to not be at the mercy of you know traditional music or book publishers you know because we have we can then we can actually really be more authentic which is exciting too now mm. you, I know that you've you've built your audience and you've you've grown your audience in a really authentic way, and I'd really like to explore um, your community. Who are they, and what kind of conversations do you have? And you know, how is how is it working out for you? Yeah, sure. I think that um, my when I started out. Um, when I was, you know, when I started my social media sites, let's say, um, I didn't really know anything about social media marketing or, you know, any branding or, or product development or things that I kind of had to learn afterwards. And so the way that I started building my, my fan base was, like you said, just really authentic. I started uh, my Twitter and my Tumblr um, long before I even had any music up. And so I just posted stuff that I liked. I talked to people who kind of liked the same bands as me, liked the same music. I We talked about books and bands and traveling and quotes and just pictures that I liked. And it was just really, really personal and honest and just, I didn't ask them for anything. I, I had nothing to sell. I had nothing to push them and it was just real. And so when I later, um, released my first EP 
it was just really easy for them to say, oh my God, you're a, you're a singer. I'm going to share this because we were kind of friends. Then obviously as things grew, now I have um, almost 34,000 followers on my Twitter and on my email list. And so it's hard for me to to kind of, you know, talk to them every single day, every single one of them. But I still try to go back as often as I can to just that authentic they are just people who want to connect with someone. And I'm just a person who wants to connect with people who like what I like. So until this day, I if I share music I listen to or books I listen to and people reply with books they listen to and I take those ideas and I take those thoughts and I, I go and look these books or bands up. And I think it's important to, uh, when you're building your, your fan base, even if it's for a product or your music or a book or whatever, um, never forget that the people you're trying to market to are just people who just wants to go you know people just want to go through their lives and be happy and they just want to connect with people who like the same thing so just be human and be honest and also I would like to say to anyone who would who um is into social media or whatever like I see all these book marketing people and they just spam out these tweets with Amazon links. And I just look at it and I think, wow, who do they think that they are talking to? Like, cause I don't feel like they're talking to me. That's just an Amazon link. Why would I click on that link when I don't know who you are? And I couldn't care less about your book because there are three, you know, millions of books published today. And so I think don't like, oh, I'm so, so hard to to kind of don't market because just be interesting and be honest and if if a person comes to me and says something nice on twitter and something funny i will automatically go and look up their profile and if you have say that you have a book i will look up that book without you asking me to look and you know and it's the same with me if i go and talk to someone for real on twitter they will go to my profile and say oh she's an artist i'm gonna look up her album I don't have to ask them to look up my album. They will do it anyway if they like who I am. So I would just say, like, be a person and be a nice person and you will sell your product anyway. That's that's so awesome. Are you familiar with the work of Amanda Palmer? Yeah, I love her. Yeah, you're, the way you speak, it sounds very similar to, to the way she is too. It's about just being really engaged with people in a very authentic way. And it's really so simple. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds like you have a really healthy marriage um, between your head and your heart and 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 that's what really brings about this authenticity so now I'm curious to know what you have to say about how you separate your art from your business and how you wear both hats uh, and and you know how you make it really really work optimally for you because it sounds like you've already got a you know you with 30,000 people that's a pretty decent success already yeah sure I think um there is a separation between um qu quite a lot of phases just me personally what I'm doing for example when I'm writing my music there is no business or marketing in my head then I'm just writing music for the sake of me loving the act of writing music um when I do have my my 12 songs and I decide to make an album I need to step away from being an artist and see it as just a product. And that sounds really ugly, but um, I think it's important to just take away the ugly from that from that thing. Product development is really important to learn, and I need to see 
that my album is a product that I'm trying to bring to market. So how can I do that? How can I, what am I trying to say with this product? And how can I make that message easy for people to understand? And that's when I try to come up with an idea for the cover or um, the story around the album, the press release, the launch of the website and all these things. Um, so that's when I, when I need to learn to not be an artist, but be a, a business person. And um, then obviously there are always the, the lead up to the release and I need to do the press releases to media and try to get exposure on uh, blogs or radio or um, even some physical print media. Um, and then, you know, there are some business aspects that I need to do year around with like booking my shows, um, handling the, the venues and the booking agent and the booking fees and all these things. That's not very artistic. It's just things that I need to do to get to express my art, let's say. Um, but then I also think that I, it, for me, um, I love that balance because every single day, obviously, I am active on social media because I love talking to people who like um, the same things that I like. And so there is no business going on on social media. It's just me being a, a really young girl trying to learn this world and traveling and doing what I love and loving connecting with people. Um, but then every single day, there is some kind of business like I need to make sure that I can pay my rent to make sure that uh, if I am having a band that they are um, paid and all these things and I need to have my next projects um, in order and I have my plan and I have my schedule and stuff like that but um, I need the both sides I think because I am a creative person but I'm also a quite driven person so I need the business aspect of it um, but I, I also think that just ended that um it's something that business people needs to learn to be more human and artists, mm -hmm. they need to learn to, to sometimes step away from being an artist and actually see it from a more, it, there are so many artists and musicians who, when I mentioned the word products, they just look at me like, no, you did not say that, <laughs> you know, as if it's the most ugly thing ever. But when it comes to it, if you want people to, to understand your album you need to learn to see it as a product because it is a product then obviously your your deeper message behind your music that is something that no one can ever take away from you that is something internal and deep and you cannot sell that for money um but if you want people to hear your music you need to be able to see it as a product At, in the same way if you are a hardcore business person trying to sell a quite i don't know a vacuum cleaner I think it could be of your advantage to learn to kind of, in some way, you know, it's this storytelling. Maybe you can do a story about that thing. And I don't know. I just think that there's something to be said about the balance between being a, an artist and a business person. And I know uh, I, I heard that, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I your book, Empty Roads and Broken Bottles in Search of the Great Perhaps. I know that you self-published it, but I also heard that you you sold out the book with pre-sales. How did you do that? Mm -hmm. Now, if you self-published, yeah, um, so did you actually have them printed or, or how did it, how did that all work out? Yeah, definitely. So I have my own pub 
publishing and distribution company where I uh, publish my books and release my albums. And um, I have published two books by now. And I always do, uh, I have my own online store where I sell physical copies of CDs and books. And so, um, yeah, I print my books and I print my CDs. And I did a big uh, batch of books for my first one that I thought um, this would last for a year. And I kind of, I always have a, a vague understanding of how many kind of hardcore fans I have that will buy my my albums and books um but yeah that book sold out during the the pre-order in three days so I had to do a new batch and then that sold out before it was released again and yeah it was just it was really great that is so so awesome yeah, congratulations Thank you so much. So you're obviously doing something very right. And as far as I'm concerned, it's just really being you. It's being Charlotte Erickson and nobody else. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I just have a couple more questions. Uh, I'm very yeah. curious about where the glass child comes from. What does that mean? Yeah, the glass child comes from... Um, when I was younger, I was a very guarded and shy kid. So people always said that... Um, it felt like I was living behind a piece of glass that everyone could see me because I was always very active and always being everywhere. But I was always quiet and kind of kept to myself. So everyone could see me, but no one could really reach me and get to know me. And that um, name just kind of stuck with me. So the more I kind of grew up and learned about myself, it just came to stand for a lot of things, especially going into the music industry. I see this balance between wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard and wanting to be recognized, but at the same time wanting to protect myself from um, bad opinions or protect myself from bad reviews or rejections. And so it's this kind of symbol, I think, between wanting people to see you but still not really being able to reach you. So you want to protect yourself behind this kind of piece of glass. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of a, a symbol that that is always in my in my back head when I'm creating things, I think. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. I mean, as soon as you were you started sharing this story, I can certainly relate to this as well. As because I'm I consider myself a natural introvert, even though a lot of people would probably be surprised when they meet me. I'm I'm one of these people who mm. can be somewhat extroverted in small crowds. Not so much in big crowds, but in small crowds I can be somewhat extroverted but it takes a lot of bandwidth and when I'm finally at home alone I feel like I need a nap because it takes a lot of energy to be that way because naturally I'm introverted I love spending a lot of time alone and writing and creating being with my dogs out in nature whatever the case may be working out um, so I get it and I, I also I can relate to what you're saying about wanting to be seen and heard but also wanting to kind of stay private as well and that's, I, I think that a lot of people can probably relate to that. And it's just finding the balance there. So Glass Child, that's really, that's awesome. Love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to, um, I got one more question and this is just, just, this just in, this just came in. I'm going to throw out another word and just see where this goes. And we're going to kind of wind things down with the word spontaneity. Ooh. Okay. Um, I think it's something that I am really trying hard to learn. Um, I'm, I'm a person who always, I go through scenarios in my head. If I know that something is going to happen tomorrow, I have already lived through that situation <laughs> in every possible way in my head. 
than I that kind of person. And so I think that I'm still learning to kind of, like we said before, just take things as they come. And um, I don't know, I think in, in some ways I'm quite good with it. Like if I wake up and I have planned to um, have a really focused day of, of recording, but I wake up and I just don't feel like doing it. I'm quite good at kind of letting myself do something else. And I guess that's kind of being spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's also something about maybe learning to use that in your creative process. Um, if you're writing or if you're a songwriter, to not always go after the your learned um, structure of things. I, I know, for example, when I was writing my book, um, every morning I went woke up and I started to write and I always had this kind of built-in way of oh I was starting to write in this way and then I it started to flow and then I deleted the first part because that was always crap and then I kept going but I think it's something to learn about maybe being a bit spontaneous with oh that's a strange idea and that maybe shouldn't be in the book but I'm going to explore it for a while and just see where it goes and I think that can always lead you to interesting paths I think Hmm. thank you Charlotte this has been really inspiring and really fun and it's I'm so grateful that uh, like I said earlier I'm so grateful that you said yes to your calling that you've you've been so driven in pursuing it and that you're putting your work out into the world because it's beautiful so thank you Oh, amazing thank you so much and thank you for doing what you do it's so important to, to just be inspiring to everyone she is songwriter author wanderer dreamer and glass child charlotte erickson and i'm grateful to charlotte for sharing her plethora of wisdom and youthful joie de vivre with with everybody listening out there today she's embraced the creative muse and she's making beautiful music along the way and as I always do every week, I'm going to be posting all of Charlotte's details in the show notes on my website at debozarco.com backslash Charlotte. And you'll be able to check out all of her books and more of her very moving music, as well as some of the other interesting details that we chatted about throughout this conversation. And while you're at my website, check out the Decloaking and Living Authentically five-day intensive that's coming up here on the gorgeous Sunshine Coast this November 2nd to 6th. And there's only a few spots available, so if it calls to you, like I said last week, you'll feel it in your body. If it calls to you, it's best to sign up sooner rather than later because it's going to be (laughs) mind-blowing, blow your mind, amazing. 
<sighs> and that's it for another week of the Unplugged podcast. May we continue to open our hearts on our evolutionary journey of awakening to the point where our heads can no longer make sense of it all. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live with passion, live with purpose, change the world. There was a man in my dream saying, listen, you are a child of a wandering kind and you need to follow the stars for your reasons. Don't ask why. And I was swallow my tears as you whisper Holding on, learning to be strong And I'm reading Bibles and poets of wisdom Asking why and I hold my breath When they say I'm blessed, hold me tight Tonight I confess this is all a test How long can I survive? I'm dropping wax in the middle of my palms now But I feel it won't pour the salt and I'm slow On the back of my feet now Learning sounds, pressing hard to the ground And I'm waking up with an ache and a fever I'm alive And as I'm making my way by the river Making friends with that homeless man And I'm learning life from a lifeless believer I'm alive and I hold my breath When they say I'm blessed, hold me tight Tonight I confess this is all a test How long can I? Searching for myself on my own heaven and hell. And will I find some peace of mind within this shell? I'm dropping wax in the middle of my palms now. Open up, fill it one part of the salt. I'm slow looking after my call is calling me.